And we're back. And we're off. Father Sean in the house. Are you going to include? Are you going to include that opening part? I hope so. It's going to depend on Ryan at this point. But Good I point. hope he. I hope he leaves it in. Ryan, leave it in. We don't have headphones in, so if this audio recording is terrible, blame it on Patrick. That's right. It took. Uh, it took a minute to try to figure out how to get this thing to record without Ryan here. But here we are. How goes it? Well, it's another beautiful day. It is. 60 degrees in the middle of January. Can't complain. I'll take it. I'll take it. I am tired coming off gala weekend. That was uh, very successful um, financially. It was great and uh, a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it, but it is a tremendous amount of work to get yeah, that you thing and, done. You and Megan, did, you guys did all the heavy lifting and you guys, I could tell it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Now I need to like, it's tough because you want to, uh, I remember my first year, you think as like, you're like 11 o'clock the night of the gala, I will feel so good. And then you're, you're like, oh no, now we got to clean up. Now we got to do, come back the next day and pack everything up. And then there's all the back end stuff of receipts right. and all that stuff. So you need to kind of like book a week off a couple weeks after the gala. And that's what I'm hoping to do. Yeah, you should. That's right. Go on a little vacation. I would really yeah, like and- that. I heard you guys were there on, because the gala was on Saturday night, and mm-hmm. then you guys were there most of the day Sunday and even part of the day Monday cleaning up. That's right. Because the gym, you know, the, the, we had to get it back ready for the school. And we were there school. along with the bear. There was definitely a handful of people that were crucial, but the first, you know, the nights leading up to it for several nights, we were there till like midnight. Yeah. Um, but was, it's all for the kids. For the children. That's right. I was MIA. Well. The gala was fun, but the... Gala prep work, I was MIA. Well, you guys are busy too. Well, I took a vacation beforehand. That's right. That's right. Pseudo vacation. Uh, I was with Kreatsu up in the mountains doing that's right. Backpacking or back um country ski trip. That's intense. Well, it wasn't intense. It was in huts. Mm, If you know what I mean. Well played. Touche. (laughs) Touche. Sorry for my dad jokes. Father Brian always makes fun of me. He's just like, and this is why people leave the church. Yeah, right. I'm I'm a fan of it. Steph for Christmas got me a book that was like 150 bad dad jokes and they're all hysterical. Love it. That's right. I'll bring Have it you in. Seen, you should see it. Yeah, that'd be great. Have you seen those videos where like you get like two macho men who just go back and forth with dad jokes and whoever laughs first loses? No. We should do that. I, that would Maybe be on awesome. Podcast. I, I wouldn't be able to survive this one. Have you seen the interviews where there's a, a host that is like very serious with his guests that he brings on? Like really serious questions, but then they do he doesn't have the, the, uh, in his mouth, like the buds, I don't know what you would call it, but for hot sauce. Mm-hmm. And so as the interview goes on, they increase Buffalo wings at uh, like the temperature of the hot sauce. So these whoa. guys will get to like five or six and it doesn't bug the host. He can handle it, but they're trying to answer these questions, see how long they can go. It's hysterical. Yeah. It's, uh, most people, I would be one and done. I, I'm bad with like Spice. Cholula ketchup makes me sweat um ketchup. wow it's bad do you have any shout outs um hmm. maybe a shout out to the chavez family who uh hmm. i got to sit with at the gala that's right which was super fun with father chuchi and father, father musset yeah you that guys are so like funny. the powerhouse okay. that was so funny in your talk patrick at one point you were like uh what are you saying? And I'd like to invite someone up on stage. And then immediately you looked at Father Peter and you were like, Father Peter, I didn't know you were here. Sco Buffs. He literally thought you were calling him up on stage. That's right. 
It was like, and in, in that moment, it was funny because uh, he had kind of told me about that at the end of the night. And I was like, man, I don't remember what I was saying in the moment. But when I looked up and it was kind of like the Red Sea parted, like the, the lights were like crushing me from both angles. Right. But as they came to like the pinnacle apex, mm. I just saw his face yeah. and I like looked up and that's all I could see in the crowd. And I just love Father Peter. So I totally had to give him a shout out. I felt bad for Father Chuchi because I just didn't even see him. But it was just like I saw one figure that was Father Peter. Um, and I, it was just like I got done. I was like, oh, I definitely just deviated from everything. But I couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, it was so funny. It was hysterical. He was nervous. He was just like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Totally on the spot. No, like, yeah. heads up. Um, I'll go with Amanda Creeters. I think that's how you say the last name. It's yeah, like know. super French, uh, but that's my shout out. She's just awesome. I actually, her and her husband are awesome. I filled in, it was the first time I've done that as a proxy um, for the baptism. Oh, cool. And I had never met him. Yeah. I, I was in the office and FB's like, hey, we need a proxy. I was like, uh, okay. Um, but they had just moved out here and it was a COVID baptism. So mm. their um, godfather could not be there. And um, that was really rad, but they are awesome. So. I will, uh, I'll go there. That's my shout out. Awesome. They're so, a great family. They are. It was so funny on the, um, during Advent, we have the uh, family process forward to light the Advent wreath. Yep. And one, one time it was them on first or second Sunday of Advent. Literally, I think they have five kids. Is that right? Something Six like, kids. Yeah. They run deep. And, uh, so Amanda and, and Tim, they were wearing purple, but then all their kids are wearing purple cause it's Advent. So like, Everyone was wearing purple. I just thought it was the cutest thing. Everyone wearing purple procession forward to light the advent wreath. Totally. It was awesome. I'm still trying to figure out that whole step on an advent wreath. And I was with a big old book, all this stuff. And it just, I'm still trying to get used to it. Um, I hear you. I've, and then now we're back in ordinary time. That's right. Okay. Fun fact for you. Because I know you love fun facts. I love fun facts. Ordinary time. Is it, is it Why is it called ordinary? <sighs> because we're back to the uh, ordinary clock. Yeah, I mean that's 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 the challenge of it. It's just like we have ordinary, and then what's everything else? Extraordinary, and it almost gives the impression that ordinary time is just nothing. Like there's nothing special. It's about kind it. of boring. Yeah, it's boring. But it's like actually, the mass is meant to be you know beautiful. Whether it's ordinary time, Advent, Lent, Christmas, Easter, whatever, it's always supposed to be extraordinary. In that sense, ordinary because it comes from ordinals. Ordinals are first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Obviously, there's 33 weeks in ordinary time, you know. So it, it's meant to give that impression. Ordinals being first, second, third, and so forth. Got it. So it used to be uh, the first Sunday after baptism, second Sunday after baptism, and then you'd go into Lent, and then Easter, and then it was Pentecost, and then it would be fifth Sunday after Pentecost, eighth Sunday after Pentecost, up until Advent started again. So there was no ordinary time, but now we call it ordinary time in um, kind of remembrance, if you will, of, of those things of this is the first, second, third, fourth, and so forth. This went so deep. Uh, <laughs> as you're explaining that, I was like, yeah, totally. Um, but so deep about the faith, like there's, you're, I've, I don't know, I feel like, you know, you guys obviously spend a lot of time in seminary to understand a lot of this stuff, but it's, as a rookie it seems it's obviously a marathon and not a sprint mm. in the learning, but it, uh, 
you like feel like you maybe have you're there mm. and then all of a sudden there's a whole nother curveball of something new yeah. and it's which makes it awesome like it's always a learning curve um and it's kind of up to you at least in my experience of like how deep you want to go with it absolutely and that's the beauty of the liturgical cycle is it's cyclical and we often think um oh i just repeat the same thing over and over and over again but though we call it a liturgical cycle i think more properly we should see it as a spiral that you're going more and more closer to the center which of course is union with christ mm. so we repeat christmas every year but next year when we go through christmas again the hope is that you have a deeper relationship with christ and you go deeper into the mystery of it the lord keeps inviting us there um so yeah, I think there's a certain exhaustion at times. It's just like, man, I'm doing this over and over and over again. But repetition's the mother of all learning. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We keep diving in. We go deeper each time around. What's tough is uh, the repetition piece. Totally agree. It's, it's hard looking at it from, you know, um, 12 months later. Mm. So it is the repetition, but it's not like, uh, you know, four weeks at Christmas and again, you start from the top mm-hmm. and go through it. Um, totally. But it is just fascinating. Um, yeah. I've, so I have a question for you. Uh-oh. Um, and I didn't know if this is right. This is, we had actually, hopefully we get to the actual topic, like always, we always say that. <laughs> but I do have another random one that just popped in my head. I was watching, and I, hopefully we can make this quick, but I didn't know if they were correct on this. I was watching Joe Rogan um, in, a, in an old podcast. It was very old. And uh, they started talking about what I, I believe is the um, Eighth Commandment. Okay. And thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. The Ninth Commandment. Ninth. Um, what exactly does that mean? Like covet someone's, your neighbor's wife. Yeah. And they were... They had said um, in that term, because then I think it also says like something about and or thy neighbor's slave or something like that. And it was mm-hmm. actually like taking ownership in your neighbor's wife, yeah. um, which hearing that, which is probably why I've never remembered that one, mm. would never think that's what it meant. Sure. Yeah, I think so. The sixth and ninth commandment are often viewed together. So the sixth commandment is do not commit adultery. Okay. Uh, which... Uh, well, now I have to tell tell the story now that I laughed about it. But it's so funny when when uh, little kids will sometimes come in for confession and they'll be like, "I committed adultery," <laughs> and you're like, "Sorry, but what does that word mean? Or what do you think the word means?" And they're just like, "I act too much like an adult." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's like, okay, all right. Um, but yeah, so that's the sixth and ninth time. commandment. Uh, six, do not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. Ninth, ninth and 10th, um, then also go together because ninth is, uh, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And then 10th is you shall not covet your neighbor's goods. So covet really has to do with jealousy, envy. Um, you know, so like, are you jealous of what others have? Got it. Obviously relationships, friendships are a huge part of that. Not only spousal relationships, but just friendships and relationships in general. Are you jealous of uh, your neighbor down the street, your friend down the street, not just, I, I say neighbor, cause that's the way we think of neighborhood and neighbors, but um, even maybe, I don't know, someone in the office, someone in the parish of like, is there someone you're jealous of, of like, man, I really wish I had uh, what they have, you know, whether it's again, their actual spousal relationship, their actual friendships, but also 
you know, they have a boat. I don't have a boat. Material things. I wish I had a boat. Yeah. You know, that's a coveting the neighbor's goods. Um, I think it's so fat. It's crazy to me that, um, you know, something that it was so many years ago, still like it's, it's somewhat reassuring in one way of like, oh good, they struggled with this back then. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the saying, keeping up with the Joneses, like, well, I didn't just pop up in 1950. Mm. It was like, it's pretty interesting how it's, how it applied back then and still applies yeah. almost, you know, even more now, but totally back then. I mean, what's so cool is like the human heart doesn't change. And I'll never forget that. Actually, first person who told me that was my ninth grade Spanish teacher. Oh, I love that. And the irony of this, but it really stuck with me. And you could take this metaphor many different ways, but I just remember him saying like, if you learn Spanish, you can probably communicate with about 80% of the world between yeah. English and Spanish, if you know those two languages. Um, and so his point was like, as you go and travel and meet different people and communicate with different people, the human heart doesn't change. You know, you may not be able to communicate with people in Germany or people in wherever, even in Mexico, if you don't speak Spanish very well, but the human heart's still the same. We all desire relationship. We all desire friendship. We all desire a deeper relationship with the Lord, at least um, maybe not on surface value, but deep down, there's a hole in our heart that's meant for the Lord. Um, you know, so the human heart doesn't change. That means for the opposite side too, of like sin is still there. There's still right. concupiscence since the beginning of time or since the beginning of the garden in the fall. So yeah. The- it is. It's true with uh, a whole nother podcast, but you know, I spent two years down in Mexico. Mm. Especially when I first moved down there, I knew very little Spanish. And so I'd sit at like dinner tables yeah. and you really can't communicate all that much. You're just kind of pointing and, you know, you kind of understand it, but you still felt a sense of community and bond, mm-hmm. even though you like verbally could not hold a conversation. Um, I think to your point, like you still desire that relationship and you can yeah. feel it more than express it um, verbally. Right. But um, yeah, that's super interesting. Mm. Um, Okay, so thank you. Um, anyways. Anyways. The topic for today. That's right. It, which is uh, a very interesting question. So this, someone wrote this in a, a long time ago, and I'll, I just, I've never forgot it. Um, and I felt like it, it's, a, it's really just a great question, because I feel like it's very, um, it's a very common saying, almost, um, and used a lot. But it's one of those kind of blanket statements that, I could see how it, and I, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see what you think on, on how you would explain this, but they had asked in simple terms, um, what does it mean when someone says to live the Christian life and how that kind of, what does that actually mean mm. in your day-to-day life? Wow. Like actual practical, um, scenarios that it's like, again, you can kind of throw that out while at lunch and you're trying to inspire someone. Mm. But I feel like more, more or less, if someone's not an active Christian or Catholic or any of that kind of stuff, you kind of walk away being like, Hey man, thanks for nothing. Mm. Like, I have no idea what that means. Yeah. So I'd love to pick your brain on that just cause it, it is used frequently. And I just thought it was just such a great question. Yeah, that is a fascinating question. And I would say it's actually a really hard question to answer. Totally. Because we use that in such different terms. Just out of curiosity, do you remember uh, the person who wrote that, this kind of sounds weird to say, but the person who wrote that, do you know if they like, are they already, uh, are they already living the Christian life? No, no, they had, uh, 
and I forget how they came across it, but it definitely came from a place of they are not Christian. Mm. And um, it kind of felt within the email that it was like, this has been told to me and I'm mm. just confused on what it actually means. Yeah. So it was actual practical first person experience. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, again, I think it's a very difficult question to answer if, if we're really honest with ourselves because uh, what we mean by living the Christian life is very different from person to person, I think. Um, however, I think the objective way to answer it is um, maybe with the with regards to the authority of the church, and at least this is the way where my mind goes. I don't know if FB would answer it the same way, but uh, the authority of the church, meaning the church asks us to do certain basic things, right? We call it, for instance, the... the um, five precepts of the church, six in America, uh, the five precepts of the church, for instance, those are like the basic precepts we have to follow. Which is, uh, what does that mean? The precepts are the five. Okay. You're going to put me on the spot. I should have. Well, it's, it's better because FB would normally put me on the spot on mm, that one. And sure. I have absolutely no idea. Um, yeah. What that means. So the precepts are like the five basic, uh, things that the church asks us to follow the basic commandments, if you will. Um, more or less guiding you to be a good person. Yeah, exactly. To, okay. to fulfill the Christian life. Um, so basically we could say the Christian life then is to follow Christ. We could say it's the way of life by which we follow Christ, by which we imitate Christ. And then the church, the bride of Christ. So Jesus is the bridegroom, the bride of Christ. They work together in order to help save all men, all mankind. The church gives us the five precepts, which I should have looked this up. I wasn't thinking I would, go in this direction, but yeah, that's where the Holy are. Spirit is taking Perfect. us. That's um, right. So yeah, now I feel it, bad. Well, no, it, it was an interesting. And so what actually sparked my memory on, um, kind of this email was again, going back to this Joe Rogan podcast and, um, the title, it was just a clip on YouTube was Joe Rogan. Um, we should all just be good people or something, mm. something like that. Right. And, um, it started going down this path of just like, you know, just be a good person. And then his guest asked uh, Joe Rogan if he is Catholic or was raised Catholic. And Joe Rogan was like, well, I was raised Catholic until first grade. And then my family just kind of fell away from it. And his guest ended up being um, Catholic. And Joe Rogan ended up saying something just that was interesting. He was like, if you're following religion and especially Catholicism, and you actually come from a place of, you know, it's, it's often funny that it gets divided in good um, nature versus like there's uh, the old aspect of like shame. And when it came to uh, living your life, there was a heavy burden with that. But Joe Rogan was like, at the end of the day, if you do follow Catholicism and you're kind of following Christ mm. truly in your life, you ultimately be a good person. Mm, yeah. um, and so then that kind of made me think of like, well, yeah. So then if that is true, what is it about that? And hence the email that makes it to where if you're living the Christian life, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's good. Um, we all desire to be good people. I hope, you know, and I think even people who aren't living the Christian life um, desire to be good. So all right, let's let's kind of rephrase this whole outline then. To live the Christian life means to follow Christ. Yep. 
to follow Christ means um, to live as he did and as he calls us to live. So part of the, the Christian life then is to read the scripture, right? And, and what does it say? So follow the commandments. Um, Jesus gives us, um, you know, he raises the commandments. He, he doesn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Um, he raises them into a, a deeper reality. And one of the ways I like to phrase that is like, um, you know, Jesus says, uh, he, he quotes the Old Testament when he says this, but the Pharisees and scribes come to him and say, Master, what is the, the first and greatest commandment? And Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So those are the first two most important commandments, according to Christ. So if we're going to follow Christ, what does it mean to live the Christian life? First and foremost is about following and loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, so I think that's what's most important. We shouldn't get caught up in the rules. The rules, however, do in the law and, and whatnot, they do point us towards something. And I want to get to that when we talk about the catechism here. To go back to the precepts of the church, though, um, if I remember correctly, the five precepts essentially are saying, here are the basic five things that you have to do to be Catholic, um, to be Christian, I should say. Um, and the church sets the bar low. If you want to uh, basically be in good standing or good, good person, this is what the church says. The first one, to attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. So yep. keep holy the Sabbath. Uh, to attend mass. Uh, next is to go to confession. How often? What do you think? Uh, is there like an exact yep. date? Yep. Or an exact uh, amount of time? Um, at least once a year. Correct. That's all nice. The, that's all the church asks <laughs> yes. to do. To go to confession just once a year. Um, and I don't think that that's that's that hard to do. You know. Uh, how often should you receive communion? when you're not in mortal sin. Mm -hmm. But how often does the church ask us? Every ask week, us? every Sunday. No, it asks, the church asks us to go to mass. So again, the, the first precept to attend mass uh, every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation to confess your sins at least once a year. The third one is to receive communion at least once a year. Oh, because you've confessed your sins. Mm -hmm. Preferably during the Easter season, uh, which is crazy. Because like, we, we, we live in an American mentality where we're just like, um, it's all about grasping. It's all about materialism. Like I need more. I want more. And we have that mentality, consumer mentality with the Eucharist. Right. Um, but the church says, no, we're only required to receive the, the communion once a year. Wow. Okay. Uh, fourth, keep holy the feast of obligation. So that goes to attending mass. Um, and then fifth, observe the days of fasting and abstinence. How many days of abstinence are there? That would be, is that the same as abstinence? Like fasting scenarios? Okay, maybe that's a better question. How many days of fasting are there in the church? Every Friday during Lent. So yeah, I, I mixed them up. I probably confused you there. But day of fasting is when the church asks us to refrain from eating, right? So actually fasting, that would be Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. The church asks us to fast oh. twice a year. Abstain to abstain from eating meat. Every Friday. Ah, uh, okay. Night, said. Got it. Very minimum bar, you could say. Uh, and then in the Church of the United States, the uh, bishops have added one more 
uh, precept, and that is to obey the marriage laws of the church, hmm. um, which essentially right to um, if you get divorced, you should not remarry unless you get an annulment. Got it. So okay. Divorce and remarriage, remarriage. Um, and then I skipped over one, but that is uh, to provide for the needs of the church financially. So to give money to the church. Tithing. Tithing, exactly. So anyway, so those are the, the five basic precepts of the church. If we want to say we're living the Christian life, we should do those five basic things. However, and this is where I really want to, the point to drive home, is that it's not just about doing these. The Lord calls us into more and more generosity. The Lord takes what the Old Testament, these laws and rules that it established and said, be even more generous. And this is the, the rich young man who goes away sad. Uh, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, uh, you know, follow the commandments. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not covet. Do not steal. He, he names all the commandments. And then this, the rich young man says, I've done all those things. What, what more should I do? And Jesus says, yes, but you're still lacking one thing. Go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. And he walks away sad because he had many possessions. He didn't want to give that away. Jesus calls us to more and more generosity. So while it's important to follow the precepts of the church, to follow the commandments of the church, the encouragement is we can never outdo the Lord in generosity. Yes, we're called to confess our sins once a year. Yes, we're called to receive communion once a year. Could we do it more? Should we do it more? So that's why I struggle to answer this question. Like, what does it mean to live the Christian life? I mean, very basically, it means to, be, to follow Christ. Very basically, it means to follow the precepts of the church. But as you know, like, as we say all the time, like, that guy's really holy. What makes him holier than the person who attends Mass every Sunday? Like, there's just something unique that has happened in that person's soul in that person's heart that he's, I don't know, farther, farther along in the spiritual life, we could say. I feel like it's something I've, I've kind of struggled with though. Like, um, cause sometimes like if you, you have basically right there two scenarios and there should be ultimately at the end of the day an overlap, mm. right? But there's people that check the box in those five or six scenarios, yeah. but are, you know, um, to keep it PG, very rude. Mm. Uh, um, I would generally use a different term, but, um, but so they're just tough to be around, but yet they do all those. Yeah. And then on the flip side, someone that doesn't do any of that, but is genuinely a good person that you love to be around and would, you know, give their shirt off their back to anybody and they don't attach to certain things or to anything or whatever it might be. Um, but yet they're not living the, Christian life. Correct. So it's kind of a, I it's guess, a in, yeah. And in, in my mind, I would rather have the latter um, of being around people. Um, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you definitely want the overlap and the perfect mixture of it. Correct. Um, right. And help us all. Like God help us all. Cause <laughs> um, so that, that reminds me, did I interrupt you? Sorry. No, no. So that, re that reminds me. I mean, C.S. Lewis says this and Sheldon Van Aken says this, but if you ever read a severe mercy great great book if you've never read it you should read it i should say um severe mercy by sheldon van Aken. he just has this great line in there he tells of his own conversion story and um specifically he met c.s lewis at oxford when he was there and c.s lewis brought about his conversion but he has this great line where he's just like i can't be christian because of the christians 
but I can, I should be Christian because of the Christians. It's like, totally. you want to follow Christ. The greatest detriment to me following Christ is Christians who live it poorly. Yep. Who are rude and jerks. The greatest example of why I should follow Christ are the saints. Those yep. who have actually lived it well, who've won the crown of glory and who, who love deeply. This is Mother Teresa. This is St. John Paul II. These are the, the grandmas in the church who, who pray without ceasing, you know, and, yep. and they're not, they, they live joy, you know, but the worst thing is when, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I beg God for, for mercy and forgiveness every day for that, that my sins, that my failings would not push people away from the church. And as totally. a priest, I really can worry about that. The other day, yesterday, actually, when I walked in the sacristy, I was just so grumpy, so grumpy because everyone's talking in the sacristy and, and, and yeah, I, I don't want to go into too many details, but I was just like so annoyed. I'm just like, guys, like this should be a reverent place. We're about to celebrate mass. Like, why are we talking about like the football game and this and that? Like, let's just, you know, to be clear, it was not me. Now that <laughs> it was you not, it was not Patrick. <laughs> um, you know, but just like the, the sadness that, that I experienced there. And then it just made me so grumpy. And it's just like, I, I, you know, probably snapped harsher than I should have at, at some of the people who were talking. And then I so, felt so bad afterwards. Cause it's like my lack of joy, my frustration, my anger is an obstacle to those people coming to know Christ. Totally. You know? And that's, that's like, yeah. So again, like the, the greatest detriment to people living the Christ, the, the Christian faith are Christians, but also the greatest, um, motivator for people living the christian faith are christians where i'm at my journey right now um and i actually have kind of focused on this actually from somebody that's not a christian speaker um but is just a good human from what i see on youtube um is in my own reflection of especially working for the church and in a time of covid Mm. i've seen a lot of um good bad and ugly in people when there's such high tension of like, there is no mass you can't receive. We're trying to do car line, Mm. you know, the church should be doing more, the church should be more, you know, um, conservative with it and whatever it is. Um, and so it was out the gates. It was really easy to judge Mm. and and really hold that firm of like, wow, like, and, and not get aggressive back, but to really focus on like the empathy side of seeing someone that is checking the box, but not, you know, a very nice person. And instead of judging it, trying to just be like, wow, okay, there's something going on there. And I thought that was interesting when you had said, you know, when you, when you talk about it from love thy neighbor, like you love yourself. And there's a lot of people that struggle with loving themselves. Right. So then therefore, and that's for a whole lot of reasons, like you could break that down from empathy and it was the way they were raised by their parents, but then also, so you can be mad at the parents, but Mm. It was how they were raised by their parents. And there's just a lot. It, it's very, uh, um, it's a deep scenario. Uh, but for people that don't actually love themselves, and that's a very hard thing to overcome and, and address, um, makes it then hard to love thy neighbor. Mm. So you, you can find some, um, some sort of solace in being able to check the boxes mm-hmm. and, and doing the um, five or six things. But at the end of the day, it's still hard you could be hyped up right after receiving communion, you step outside and you're back to your normal condition. Mm. Um, so it's been a very interesting process of really 
And even for myself, I mean, I'll say to myself a thousand times a day, empathy, empathy, empathy. I want to get a sweatshirt that has empathy mm -hmm. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But then I get sparked and I'm, I'm like taking off, I'm here, put the gloves on, let's do this, right. you know? Um, yeah. So it's just an interesting scenario. And I think it's a very deep question that they asked um, to really kind of wrap your head around. Yeah, yeah I agree. And I think it's multi-layered, which is why I struggle to answer it. But I think, um, again, most importantly, to live the Christian life means to follow Christ. Yeah. So I want to close with this point because I know you got to get going five minutes ago. <laughs> um, but uh, Patrick, this book here, The Catechism of the Catholic Church, what's in it? Four sections that break down. Is that right? That is right. Four, four sections that break down. I was hoping um, you'd give me a, a dumber answer, but that is... I mean, I mean, that I remember from RCIA. Couldn't tell you like what the four sections are. I kind of have a broad yeah. understanding. but So one of the sections that, what I was hoping you would say is, oh, the catechism, that's like where all the rules are of the right. church, right? And that's what everyone thinks. The second question would be, if this is all the rules of the church, what to do, what not to do, in the catechism of the Catholic church, what do you think the very first paragraph says? <sighs> I don't know the very first paragraph, but I'll give FB credit here. And I'm going to butcher this, but paraphrasing is it starts with love and then moves to the rules, Good. which is an interesting scenario of like from your, you know, exactly what you said. If it's yeah. all about the rules, that's not actually what the church says to focus on. Good. Yeah. I, yeah. That's exactly the right answer. What I always joke with when I ever say this is like whenever I've taught a class on the catechism or something, I, I ask that question like, so what's the, what's the first paragraph say in the catechism? And then everyone just looks at me like, oh, I don't know, don't raise, don't like, don't make eye contact, don't yeah. raise your hand, like look away. Um, and then I always joke, I'm just like, paragraph number one, if you don't follow every one of these rules, you will go to hell. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> That's not what it says, right? You're exactly right. It starts with love. God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. Right? God infinitely perfect in himself. God who is in heaven decided to freely create man, mankind, Adam and Eve, and so forth, you and me, so that he can share, so that we can share in his own life. For this reason, at every time and every place, God draws close to man. He, he draws close to us. He calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him with all his strength. He calls together all men scattered and divided by sin into the unity of his family, the church. And now this is the kicker. God created us so that we can share in him. But then he says, then the catechism says this, to accomplish this, right, this sharing of life. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son as redeemer and savior. In his son and through him, he invites men to become in the Holy Spirit, his adopted children, and thus heirs of his own blessed life. Right. So that's, that's the Christian life right there. It's to be another Christ. We share in God's goodness and God's love because he created us. We fell away, we sinned. And so God rescued us through the sending of his son into the world. That's the whole point of the Christian life, to be in relationship with God. Uh, that's the Trinity. It's a communion of persons and we're called to, to be in communion with God as well. That's the whole purpose of the Christian life. It starts with love. That's where we begin. That's where we go. So that's my encouragement. I think we get so caught up in the rules. The rules are important and 
I don't know, maybe we could have a podcast on the law, the, the rules of the church, the law. Um, but I think that's what's most important here today is, is love. To live the Christian life means to fall in love with God and to, to give everything away, to follow him unreservedly. And be a good person. And be a good person. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, okay, we'll wrap it up. I do, I would actually love to do a podcast with you on the rules. Mm. Um, because again, that's another one as a rookie in the church trying to explain to my friends that don't follow Christ. Yeah. And it's easy to kind of point to that, but the argument can, and can definitely um, fall apart when they, you kind of can easily poke holes in, in their judgment of it. Yeah. Uh, but it'd be helpful to hear you kind of explain that. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Maybe part two. Part two. Um, all right. You guys, thank you. Um, Please email in rant at lordsdenver.org. Share us on all media platforms to get us out there and just help um, explain the faith to especially people that um, don't understand it. And then you don't have to put in a position uh, like I was trying to box up what Father Sean, Father Vito, and Father Brian say in a concise, coherent message. Sometimes. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Father Sean. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back on. Amen. Bye, everyone.